Two Brothers, One Mike is a weekly podcast put together to help motivate and inspire our listeners both mentally and physically in the hopes of helping you be the best you. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Two Brothers, One Mike. I'm Joe, and as always, my brother, Coach Tony, is here. Tony. Hello again, everybody out there, and welcome back to T-Bomb Land. Another great interview today, Joe. I mean, folks, in season one, we had an episode entitled The Best You. In that episode, we talked about a wonderful 45-page study. We bring this up often. Uh, It's broken down into eight different, we'll say, categories when it comes to emotional decision-making, which we all are, you know, we're all guilty of this. I encourage you, when this episode is over, not in between it, don't pause episode now but when it's over head on over to that show the best you in season one uh i'm sure joe is going to be able to or he's going to at least try to get a link in there into the podcast description um we have been having some problems with that so uh we're going to see what we could do about that but if not it's in season one and the title of the show is the best you one thing one thing we are noticing uh, everyone likes the feel-good stories We just had a great one with the Jenny Maynor interview. Uh, Everyone loves the nutritional talks. Uh, Everybody's, you know, loving everything about, you know, the keto diet, you know, ketogenic diet. And uh, the carnivore diet is coming up now. uh, Or we've uh, we just listened to the carnivore diet, uh, combining intermittent fasting with the ketogenic diet. Everyone loves these shows. They love the, um, the, you know, as far as the exercise episodes are concerned. And people are excited about the video demonstrations that are going to be coming with that. Uh, most likely in season three, but but we are missing one very important point here, and we we brought this up before to the listeners. You could be spot on with your exercise techniques, whether it's time under tension, whether it's high intensity interval training, where, whether it's the best yoga uh, exercise program that you could possibly have. You, you can have a clear pathway to all the nutritional lifestyles that work for you, but but ladies and gentlemen, if you do not think that having a strong mindset and understanding how powerful the brain is when being the best you, if you don't understand that concept, you will fail. All of us will. Shows like The Best You and the awesome interview we are going to do here today are essential to combining mind, body, and soul. It's plain and simple. Joe, do you agree or disagree there? I do. And you know what? First thing I want to do is address the the whole issue with the links. For whatever reason, uh, when I go to put them in in the description, mm-hmm. uh, for some reason, Anchor just, I don't know, it's doing, it's glitching out really bad. Won't allow me to just put a link in. So uh, for now, at least until I can figure this out, yeah. I don't think it's going to be too difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, folks may have to copy and paste, copy the the whatever link that we're using uh-huh. and paste it in their, in their mobile browser. Okay. Uh, in order to go to different websites or or even to see this 45-page study and whatever else that we, we create links for. Right. But that said, uh, you know, some of the things that you were saying, though, as far as it seems like there isn't as high of an interest in this whole idea with um, – The mental approach. Right, with the right. mental approach. Yeah. Um, I think one of the bigger problems is because – this isn't one of those buzzwords, right? Mm-hmm. Like you said, keto or intermittent fasting. Like these are big things that are up and coming, and they all promise. And we don't we don't say it here, but they all promise out there this quick and easy weight loss. And mm-hmm. of course, weight loss means being healthy, right? Skinny's healthy, isn't it? Uh, you know, 
Yeah, we exactly. talk about that how many times now? That's not exactly uh, right. the right approach at all. But right, exactly. And but that's the thing. So they see those buzzwords in the descriptions or in our titles, and they and they flock to it. But the thing about anything that that deals with the mental approach, um, I think a lot of that is very subjective, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, meaning. It just depends on what you're looking for, what your end game is, what your end goal is, uh, what you're going to take out of that kind of show. And really, it, you're you're going to be putting in more work when mm-hmm. it comes to something that that deals with mindset, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like if we're telling somebody to do a diet or sorry, follow a nutritional lifestyle mm-hmm. or an exercise a certain way, well, it takes the brain activity out of that. Doesn't you just do it this way? Yeah. Right. Well, here's something where you actually, actually, you, you know, you have to use your brain a little bit. Right. And I think that kind of turns a lot of folks off. They're like, okay, so you're saying that because uh, I'm afraid to fly be, even though, you know, th- that whole example that we gave in the first, in the first uh, season uh, about, integral fear. Right. Um, you know, they, they just figure, well, then I don't really need to listen to this episode. That just makes sense. Thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. And they don't realize that what we're offering is this additional perspective and how to overcome those kinds of fears because it wasn't about the flight. Yeah, <laughs> I right. think a lot of people think that like we were putting in our, our, where we were casting our lot towards whether or not you should take an airplane to a vacation destination as opposed to driving to it. Yeah. It was the idea of getting over that mindset and why, um, and why you should really. So I think, you know, again, I agree. Uh, but I also can realize why that I, I also realize why it's not like the, the, uh, popular opinion either uh, as to whether or not it's essential, but it is, it totally is. It it is, it is. And, and you know what, uh, speaking of integral fear and the show that we did on integral fear, which was again, in the best you, uh, we're going to dive into that today. Uh, and so without further ado, Uh, With us today is a licensed clinical psychologist. She has a practice in Boardman, Ohio, and works with all ages to address anxiety, depression, self-image, and goal setting. Her bachelor's degree is from Youngstown State University, and her master's and doctorate in clinical psychology are from the Illinois School of Professional Psychology. She has taught at the undergraduate and graduate levels and is involved in several community boards and organizations. She is also very focused on holistic well-being. She holds advanced certifications in personal training, yoga, and spinning. And I emphasize yoga because we did a show on that. She teaches several classes in the community of which she resides and leads workshops on stress management, relaxation strategies, and well-being. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Two Brothers, One Mike, Dr. Nicole Rentilla. Dr. Rentilla, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Joe, how are you? You're doing fantastic, I think. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing well. You're doing. And uh, before before we get uh, into what we're going to talk about today with integral emotion and so on and so forth, something in that introduction, uh, I think a lot of people ask sometimes about this holistic well-being. In so many words and however long it takes, can you describe to the audience what holistic well-being is? Absolutely. With holistic well-being, we're talking about mind, body, emotions, and really looking on different planes to 
um, address our best you, to use your words. Uh, um, you know, what? how do your behaviors, emotions, and thoughts go together? How does that play into how you take care of your body? How does it take play into how you take care of your relationships and your mm-hmm. social connections? So we're talking about wellness from many different angles. Okay. And, and, and because a lot of times people will ask, you know, what is, what is that now? Is that something new? And I just think it's an avenue that a lot of people in not only your profession, but doctors and so on and so forth are, are gearing their, their practices towards a lot more these days uh, for various reasons. And obviously the way you just described what it is, it's understandable why uh, people are going in that direction. Absolutely. And a yeah. really cool trend that I am super excited about is um, whenever I have a client who might see a primary care physician or their general practitioner, if they talk about any symptoms that might be close to anxiety or depression, I'm seeing so many more doctors who focus on the physical part of it say, I want you to go to therapy. I have a few psychiatrists that I work with who won't even see you unless you go to therapy in addition to taking your medication. Ah. So I love that the medical side of of practice is shifting in that way. Got you. Um, and, and understandably so, I mean, I think, uh, and I think thousands and millions probably think the same way. Uh, as far as what we're going to talk about today, and you listened to that show, uh, it was in season one, and I've already said that so many times uh, early on in this episode, in your opinion, and I, this, is gonna, this is going to be a very generalized question uh, to start the interview, what, what is the definition of integral emotion? Has it, has it been something you have encountered with clients over the years, basically part of a diagnosis possibly? when interviewing a client to understand what their mindset may be when it comes to their problems? Absolutely. So an integral emotion is the direct result of something happening or the direct result um, emotion of what a person goes through. Event A happens, emotion A occurs. Mm -hmm. So it's the direct result. Um, And what becomes really important here is you look at someone's mindset, how they label experiences, the words they use. And this is where a person's life history really comes into play here. Um, The person who had a a fairly traumatic background is more likely to have um, more fearful responses. A person who is not coming from a place of trauma might have less fearful responses. Mm. Um, So mindset is a huge part of that. And so when I'm working with somebody in a session, their immediate response on an emotional level to an event, to an incident, um, to a precipitant is typically the integral emotion. And research tells us that um, while there is some continuity between similar people, that you could have, and they really show this in, for instance, some of the bystander effect research projects where they'll have somebody, um, a group of people, a hundred people watch a video of an accident mm-hmm. that might be staged. And you might get many different responses as to how that occurred, who was at fault, um, and what the aftermath is based on people's own histories. Yes, yeah, and, and so that's where the that's where, as Joe uh, mentioned earlier, the airplane example that we gave in that show, um, and how people respond to whether or not they would ever get in a plane and fly, regardless of distance they would have to drive, even though exactly. statistics show that you have a bigger chance of getting in a a, fata- a fata- 
can't talk today, a fatality, uh, driving your car a certain distance rather Correct. than flying in an airplane. Right. And the less we challenge certain set beliefs, the more they stay fixed as they are. So in beliefs may be challenged sometimes by new experiences, by somebody being open to change, but sometimes people don't have an opportunity to test out different theories. So as humans, we like to be right. And so um, yes. <laughs> there's a there's a there's a dimension of temperament called openness to change, and some people are open to change. Some people are less so. And so, say if you have a paradigm that driving um, is unsafe or flying is unsafe, it depends also on your temperament and openness to change. If you're willing to test that hypothesis as well. Mm. Well, let me ask you this: uh, How do we get people? How do we get individuals to possibly change their way of thinking when they? They attach themselves to these decisions based on their histories. Uh, are there specific exercises you can do to help that process? Yes. So um, basically, self-awareness is the key here. So, And this is where psychotherapy becomes really important. We ask people to evaluate how their thinking has played out in their lives. Are you satisfied with the results? Are you dissatisfied with the results of your current way of thinking and engaging with the world? Mm -hmm. um, and self-awareness is really the key. And that's where you have to ask somebody if, say, driving to a destination 10 hours away causes them actually very little discomfort or inconvenience, they're actually, they're less likely to change that behavior. However, if the person can acknowledge for them, and again, that might vary. Yes, it's a really inconvenient process. It inconveniences my family. Um, I hate that I have this fear, then you're going to have some room to grow there. And so the first thing is helping someone identify almost a cost benefit analysis to it. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is you really want to work with somebody to identify a willingness to change. And that goes into this whole other area that's related to this in terms of stages of change and readiness to change. Okay. And from that, from that point, um, you can talk about, okay, how do we go about this? And honestly, everything from teaching relaxation skills to teaching coping skills can help somebody because let's face it, whenever you encounter a paradigm shift, it can be uncomfortable. Uh, I, I mean, I, I would I, I could think off the top of my head of maybe one or two things just as you were talking just now that would make it very difficult for me to detach myself based on uh, emotional histories for certain things and, and what I may fear mm -hmm. for me to go through that process and be successful in it. Uh, right. I could only imagine, you know, for some people how difficult it is. Have you ever encountered situation? Have you ever encountered situations where? where it just doesn't seem like that is working? And, and uh, where do you go from there when that process isn't working with certain clients? Well, you have to identify, I guess, the part where they're willing to shift and move a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, I have a, I've had a client who has had a fear of driving um, and would drive from Cleveland to Youngstown, Ohio, using back roads only. And then it became a point where um, you know, it was just getting really uncomfortable for her. And so here's the thing in that example, can you do it? Of course you can. You could get by, you know, probably pretty well in life if you didn't want to drive on a freeway or on a highway at the same time, 
for her, she was able to get to a point where she didn't want to be constrained in some of the activities that she was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, So basically is helping a person to understand what they're willing to accept. Because here's the thing, somebody could do, and I know I'm I'm jumping ahead a little bit, here's a teaser, that you might have a fear, say, of doing something, but then there comes the incidental emotion, which is the byproduct of that, where you feel embarrassed Uh. or guilty or ashamed of it. And honestly, sometimes that's where you can use the incidental emotion output to say, is that a way that you want to feel? Is that something you might be willing to grow about? So for her, the fear, she felt okay with that, but then feeling embarrassed and inconveniencing her family actually became the catalyst to change. I got you. And folks, what what Dr. Rentel is talking about there as far as being a a teaser, if anybody who follows the show knows we did an episode on um, incidental emotion, and she will be back to talk all about that and tie it into what she was just speaking about here as far as integral emotion is concerned. So so there's a relationship between the two. Um, Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. Um, in this study, in, in that 45-page paper that we referenced uh, several times now on Two Brothers, One Mike, the, the paper talked about patients who make decisions based on uh, injuries suffered to the ventral medial prefrontal cortex. I hope I did that term justice. Okay. What exactly is that area of the brain? The ventral medial prefrontal cortex. What What is that area of the brain that causes us to be set on our ways, regardless of statist- statistical um, uh, examples, such as uh, telling us it's not the best decision to make? So the ventral medial prefrontal cortex is one of the first areas of the brain that takes in information. Mm -hmm. And it's called prefrontal because it's kind of in front of and just below the frontal cortex. Okay. So that's one of the places that we often first get information. And it's a very, it's part of what we call sometimes the primitive part of the brain where it's just kind of in and we react. And so impulsive decisions tend to be made from that part of the brain. The frontal cortex is the executive functioning part of the brain where we have reason, rationality, thought, and planning. Mm -hmm. And so it tends to be, think about a little kid versus an adult. Typically, a younger child is more impulsive and quick to react and not think about it because their brain hasn't grown yet. They don't have life experience. They don't have maturity. Yes. So what happens is, is when information is only processed and kind of kind of stuck there in that prefrontal part of the brain, um, it doesn't get as much analysis. And so when we have very difficult life events, adverse life events, or trauma, mm-hmm. those those events are encoded in that part of the brain. It's part of our fight or flight response. I got it's you. part of it's part of our um, protect yourself response. And so what happens is when that part of the brain tends to be overactive and someone who's abused, traumatized, or had adverse life events, that part of the brain is kind of it's kind of standing out there to try to protect everything else. And so what happens is is that through therapy, we can teach the person to slow that response time and not engage immediately in a fight or flight panic response. I see. Let me ask you this question. As you were saying this, I was thinking in my own brain here, it, it tying it even closer to what we talk about on this show, the other two aspects. 
Is this also related to people who have failed repeatedly from a nutritional and an exercise standpoint where they're not able to get to where they want to and because of the negative return on their investment? Mm -hmm. is, is this the same type of situation? Obviously a lot different, but can, can, we, can we put that with this situation where people continue to fail in the moment when it comes to getting in the kind of shape they want to get into so they basically – shut down and they cannot analyze the process uh, and and want to get through that part so that they can move forward and try a different avenue to get in better shape, to eat properly, to exercise. Absolutely, because that part of the brain is focused on immediate and right now. It's more likely to make an impulsive decision. Mm -hmm. That's like the study where they put um, a cookie in front of a child and said, you can eat it now, but if you wait, you can have two. Um, and so basically, the younger the child and the more impulsive the child, which is also an individual dimension, the more they just needed the reward right now. But as children got older, and they became adolescents, they were able to wait for a greater reward. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's when we also get into things like emotional eating too, that tend to happen impulsively in the moment that the emotions are in the in integral and in integral emotions are so overwhelming in the moment, mm -hmm. that the impulse to eat wins over the thought to make a more health conscious choice. Right. Well, and that, that's good stuff right there. So, I mean, and, and what I wanted to do there was, uh, I, I know some people were thinking maybe, okay, what does this have to do with the other two parts of the show? Because they weren't processing maybe, or they weren't thinking about the fact that we're trying to show how powerful the brain is in all aspects of life, uh, not just in exercise and nutrition, but I wanted to tie that in so they can see how, it also ties into that, that particular portion of your life. Um, we talked uh, so much in, in that particular show uh, in season one about integral emotion of fear and the role it plays in poor decision-making. What are some other types of integral emotions that affect our decision-making processes? Okay, so one of the, the commonality in integral emotions um, is typically – they have some form of intensity. So um, that's why fear is so powerful because fear is even more intense than oftentimes than anxiety, for example, mm. or frustration. So it could be anger. It could be sadness. It could be extreme happiness. If you had a fantastic experience doing something, that's more likely to influence how you look at other things related to it or your willingness to engage in that again. Um, just as much as if the experience was awful, right? So right. you primarily think about intensity and the more intense the emotion, either if it's to a positive side or negative side, those are going to create some pretty salient integral emotions. Um, but again, anger, sadness, happiness, um, trauma and its myriad of emotions. Um, and that's why a lot of this research on integral emotions and incidental emotions um, is brought up in the trauma literature as well, because we're talking about very salient things that have happened. That's, I mean, and this is really interesting stuff. Even if somebody is not going in, into, into uh, you know, college after high school and they're going for any type of uh, degree in the field of psychology, psychiatry, and so on and so, on and so forth, I, I would think that people would want to understand this. And maybe it's just me. And I'm always intrigued by things like this because I do believe that the, I've always said this to my athletes, 80% of what you do here is going to be shoulders up. 
It's not going to be, I don't care how fast you are. I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how agile you are or how flexible you are. If you have the wrong mindset and you can't get through these types of situations like you're talking about uh, here in this show, it's all for nothing. And we've seen the failure so many times in professional athletes of all sports um, where so people say, you know, that phrase, hard work beats talent. Mm-hmm. I think healthy mindset beats hard work beats talent. And that's and yeah. It all yeah. goes together. It's yeah. Like some odd rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And yeah. Joe from the abyss comes yes. in. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to add to that real quick, too, sure. you know, because it, it's interesting, Tony. Some of the stuff that we're even learning in uh, uh, throughout, we're, we're going through an adoption process. Uh, well, at least we're becoming foster to adopt parents. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of what she's talking about goes hand in hand with some of these children and some of the traumas that they've been through mm-hmm. and how these simple little things could just be a trigger for some uncontrollable behavior in the moment and and trying to get this child to uh uh you know calm down or calm themselves and 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 to to kind of bring them out of that moment and so it's just interesting to hear um because again this is all things that we we've been going through in classes and in training for that as well so yeah and that's that's a good point to make um when it comes to this because you have to learn as as a foster parent mm-hmm. to to adopt uh, you definitely have to have an understanding and because you have to have some type of, uh, you have to have some type of understanding on how you're going to be able to control this situation the right way. You also have to know where the control, <laughs> that right. control is a mere illusion. I mean, there, mm-hmm. you could, you could do something as simple and this just goes to show, um, you know, not to get too far off topic, but, but it just goes to show you could do something as simple as make a child, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And if that, if that smell of that sandwich sparks a bad memory, you know, and they don't even know why they're doing it, they'll go into a full on, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it may be. We'll call it a tantrum, mm-hmm. but typically it's a little worse than that. And, and, you know, they can't explain why they're feeling that way. And you're trying to figure out, well, did I make it wrong? Did he not want the crust? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, you're looking at it for face value and you yeah. don't even know where that trauma right. is at. So but it, it does make a difference. Is Dr. Rentella, just what he's saying there, how many years first, how many years have you been practicing? I have been practicing as a licensed psychologist since 2003. So 18 and, years. Okay. And in that 18 years, some of what Joe was just saying, have you seen or did, did it, did it spark a memory or two or three or four of clients that you dealt with where this was something that you were dealing with when it comes to children? Without a doubt, because part of what the ventromedial prefrontal cortex does mm-hmm. is it encodes a lot of senses. So the prefrontal cortex is takes in sensory information and actually the sense of smell is one of the most salient because from the olfactory cells in the nose, um, those neural pathways actually go straight to the brain, whereas with hearing and with vision, they are mediated by the frontal cortex, which means that there's some interpretation there. And so I have many clients who have come in and didn't know why, for instance, in one client, why spring was always her worst time. And it turns out she was experiencing abuse while um, spring was blooming and the grass was being cut and the snow oh, the grass wow. being cut mm-hmm. triggered her so bad. So that's when we engaged in cognitive behavioral therapy to teach relaxation yeah. skills and to reframe that. 
we searched everywhere for candles that smelled like fresh cut grass so that we could explore that and smell that and experience it in a safe environment in the therapy session. And she could retrain that part of her brain, the prefrontal, with information from the executive part of the brain that that is no longer a fear trigger. Wow. That, that, that is very interesting. Um, it's incredibly interesting. Yeah. And when you figure out, again, to Joe's point, like sometimes you don't know what the trigger is and why something so seemingly benign creates such a response. And when you can start to uncover that, the paradigm shift in people, the healing and growth, it, it just makes it all worthwhile. It's amazing. And what's important there uh, with CBT, she was talking about, I, I, I talked about it in a, a again in season one on uh, that fear of anxiety episode where I went through that as well. Uh, the whole, I think everybody should have at least one session in their life. Uh, you know, because the idea is this for those that are listening and you're thinking how this applies to other people, you might be thinking about that. You also, you know, the whole idea of this is to see how it applies to you. Um, you know, as Tony was saying, uh, about how you may be, um, holding yourself back Maybe you don't really realize why. Maybe you have to sit there and really dwell down into your reasons and 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 figure out what it is that is uh, uh, slowing you down or or preventing you from reaching the goals that you're trying to reach. And that's what these episodes are for, uh, for you to try to break through those barriers on the whole mindset front. Absolutely. And and Dr. Rantella, Joe did a show in season one, and it was called Fear and Anxiety. Uh, it actually got a ton of listens. Uh, both he and my sister talked about the different types of fear and anxiety they've gone through in life and how they have uh, gotten past them and continue to have them, but how they move through them. And so that's kind of part of what he's talking about there when he had talked about that in that right. particular show. Um well, we are, and I'm not done yet. We are, we're definitely going to have you back if it's up to me 20 more times in the near future <laughs> uh, to dive into another emotional decision-making process first and foremost. And we kind of mentioned it, uh, incidental emotions. That will be the next time we would love to have you on. And, and what is the difference? What is the difference between the two? Now, we talked about how they're, they're tied together, integral uh, and mm-hmm. incidental emotion without giving an entire show right here on this show, <laughs> what would you say as simply as you could about the difference between the two? So if you have an event, a precipitant, a trigger, and your immediate reaction to that or the most related reaction on the emotional side is your integral emotion. Okay. If you have any other feelings or reactions to that as a result, say, you're upset, very upset about a certain thing that happened, but then something else different happens later on that day, you're still influenced by the first event. And so you may have incidental emotions that, you know, may compound the initial feeling. Okay. I mean, and that is simple enough, really, when you, when you think about it and folks, if there's, this is a show right here, I would say, I would go back and listen to again. Because I've, I've always been a firm believer in this, and maybe it's because it works for me. Anytime I go back and listen to something twice, the second time, it's amazing how much more I grasp than I did the first time around. Some people grasp everything uh, immediately. Some people, it takes a couple of times. I am being completely transparent here and letting you know that it takes me more than one time. So anybody who say, you know, is saying, I really didn't get all that information. That was a lot of information. That's the beauty of podcasting. Just click that button again, and you can listen to the whole show again. Uh, Dr. Nicole Rantilla, 
we cannot thank you enough. It's been a fantastic show full of so much information. And like I said just moments ago, we cannot wait to have you back, especially for the next show when it comes to incidental emotions and all the different things that go with that when it comes to the, to the mind and, and how it affects us as human beings and what we can do to make our lives better when it comes to that concept. Um, we just loved having you today. We loved all the information you gave us truly. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. I love being here, too, because I think if somebody's already listening to this podcast, that's exactly the kind of person who's going to make some great strides if they start to explore this. It just starts with the willingness to take a look at it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks. Joe. Yep. I, I, I really like the whole time that, that, that she was talking. Now, I'm not just talking to Joe. I'm talking to all our listeners. I was thinking to myself. Everybody who's listening to this show right now, please don't click off because she was giving some fantastic information that if you were truly listening now, Joe's not a psychologist and I'm not a psychiatrist. We basically researched certain things about these emotions because we know how important they are when it comes to what this show is about. And that's mind, body, and soul. If we're going to be the best we can be in the weight room, if we're going to be the best we can be in the kitchen, we're going to need to be the best we can be when it comes to shoulders up. And that's why we bring professionals on this show, such as Dr. Rantella, when she can really go into detail about what you need to understand about these emotions deep down inside and what you need to do okay are different uh avenues you can take to find out what it is that's holding you back when it comes to maybe certain things that you're not doing right from an exercise and nutrition standpoint so folks please don't think that this type of show here is not something you should be listening to that was that was great stuff right there that was great information and the beauty of it is you can listen to it all again joe yeah, you know, and you're you're going to hear this recurring theme too, where she talks about cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. That that covers it's a blanket statement. It's a blanket uh, theme, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, because it, it really it addresses all of these different emotions that we're going through, all these different fears. Yeah, uh, because it it forces you to look inward, and it's it's a pretty big deal. I went through it. I talked about how that was, uh, you know, that was pretty essential for me. Yeah. Uh, and it was also interesting when she was saying about how general practitioners and family doctors are starting to get more involved. Uh, that's actually how I ended up getting uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I went to my doctor after all the muscle twitching, I was talking about just a couple of episodes. It's, it's several shows now. You've yeah. About yeah. It, yes. When it started and, and it was very alarming, uh, you know, and I just basically asked him, listen, if you still think that's what it is, I'm going now. I can't do this anymore. If, if, if it's having this effect on me to where it's now physically <laughs> causing issues yeah, here, right. I need to, to to go talk to someone. And uh, he assured me that would probably be my best bet and best best sage advice the man has ever given me yeah. thus far. So, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. again. I mean, the good stuff. That was a great, that was a great interview. Absolutely a great interview. Yeah. In fact, I would like to see, uh, not just on this 45-page paper, but I would love to do one just on CBT. I think a lot of people would love to know, you know, I think a lot of there's a stigma around it. And I think that that's something that needs to kind of be dissolved. Well, we have, we have, we have a co-host who uh, has a little bit of information on it and has life experience with it. And then I think we have a professional 
um, psychiatrist, psychologist that uh, I think we just talked to her a few minutes ago. And I don't know about you, but based on listening to her, she kind of knows what she's talking about. So I think we can do an entire show on that easily. Yeah. I'm going to tell you what, too. One of the nice things here, too, when it comes to the fostering and everything that we were talking about, one of the things they want to know about is, you know, what what therapies are in our immediate area. And at least it's it's nice to know I'll have a name to give them now, too, as well. That's good. (laughs) All right. So anyways, let's talk about next week's show. Yes. Uh, We're going to start talking specific supplements, namely creatine. Uh Uh-oh. The hows and whys it should be taken, as well as how it affects the body. Is creatine all it's cracked up to be? Hmm. It's been around for a while, so I'm thinking finding those answers isn't going to be too hard of a task. Tony, you have anything else you want to add there? Yeah, got two quick things. That only means, that means one thing. That means yeah. the show following that yep. is back. Ron, <laughs> the pharmacist, and he's got plenty to say. I've already talked to him about, about the uh, show coming up and, you know, he's excited. He's always excited to talk about this stuff. So he'll be back in the episode following that one in an interview. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, last but not least, l- ladies and gentlemen, uh, when it comes to creatine, I guarantee you, all those young, we got 17% of you, I believe, are close to it, that are between the ages of 18 and 22, and your ears, your ears went up like like a dog mm-hmm. uh, when he hears the dinner bell ringing. Um, it's, listen, if that age group right there, I want you to listen to that show, okay? Make sure you listen to that show. It's for you, it's for all of us, all right? But it's for you because you guys abuse that particular substance way too much we're going to talk about the negatives we're going to talk about the positives on the next two bros one mic all right well until then i want to remind all of you be sure to give us a review on your favorite podcast service also if you have any questions comments thoughts or opinions you can leave us a voice message via the link in this episode's description Hopefully it still works. For our Spotify listeners, we now have a new way for you to interact with the show through polls and questions offered in each show's description. And finally, remember to join us each week as we release new episodes every Wednesday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, on behalf of Coach Tony and myself, thanks for listening. Hey, Joe. Yep. As I was as I was at the end there talking about creatine and scolding the youngsters, mm-hmm. I was pointing my finger and looking out into the abyss as if I was actually talking to a group of kids. And then I realized to myself, you're just sitting here in the dark talking to nobody. You look like a fool right now. Yes. But hey, what are you going to do? <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs>